Hey folks, Zach Osterman here, IU Insider, Indianapolis Star. It is Friday, December 9th. Uh, two podcasts in two days. This is this is how relentless the, the basketball season can be, the busy season can be. Uh, Chronic and I talked yesterday uh, primarily about sort of Rutgers, Nebraska, spun it ahead a little bit to Arizona. Um, that podcast, I know there were some technical issues with that. It should be good. It should be updated and settled uh wherever you listen to your podcast if it's not uh then let us know and we will try to dive back into that um uh, something's just kind of got wires got crossed in the upload but we are talking specifically and exclusively today about uh indiana arizona with me remotely from the charlotte airport on his way to las vegas is tyler tackman tyler will be out there uh today on friday i'll get out there tomorrow saturday for the game uh, Tyler, have you gotten the have you gotten the Carolina Pit barbecue or no? Um, I I didn't get any yet, but now I am. It's the best airport food in America, man. Come on. Um, Arizona is, I think. Maybe the most intriguing game of these four that Indiana you know, picked up on the the non-conference insofar as, you know, you kind of know what Kansas is at Kansas. You can have a very good sense of what UNC at Indiana is going to look like. Xavier, a lot of question marks is sort of in the, in the first year of Sean Miller's return. But Arizona was obviously an outstanding team last season, 33 wins, finished fifth in Ken Palm, um, you know, had some, some really good players, obviously lost to the NBA draft chiefly among them Benedict Matherin, now a pacer. Um, one of those places that it just sort of feels like some things have just kind of reloaded. And you've still got Karakurisa, you've still got Tabulis. Um, it, it's it, it's not like it's a whole new – it's not like some of those those Duke teams were like the, the top three, top four all turnover every year. Um, but what's interesting about this Arizona team is, on the plus side, they are as efficient – as any team in the country right now, in particular, any team that wants to play with tempo. They are second in the country in adjusted efficiency offensively, according to Ken Pomeroy, and they are first in adjusted tempo, third in average possession length. So they play fast, and they are incredibly, incredibly efficient while doing it. On the other side of the ball, though, for a team that can go very big, um, you know, you, you've got 6'11", 7-foot, Six three, basically point guard, six six, six five, another seven footer, two more seven footers, really. Um, the team that can be really big on the floor, they are not necessarily outstanding defensively. And so if you're Indiana, this is going to be a game of kind of managing that pace a little bit um on one side. And and I don't know that Indiana can afford for this game to turn into a track me. But on the other side, I do think it's possible Indiana can exploit some things Arizona is not great at statistically defensively. The roster, their two leading scorers, forward, center. I feel like this is a game where you'd really like Race Thompson to, to show out. And he has struggled some this season. And part of that, um, I think, is to the fact that Indiana has the luxury of bringing Malik Renew off the bench. Um, but it's also to to the point that he's just struggled some this season. So um, just given the talent that uh, Arizona has in the paint, I think this is a game that you'd really like Race Thompson uh, to shine. And also just because of the, the size that Arizona has in general, that 
this is one that you'd really like Jalen Hutchifino to be uh, healthy for just because of the size he presents on both sides of the ball, whether, you know, that's on the defensive end, whether that's offensively um, being able to try to slow down what Arizona can do offensively. And I think we're going to see how good Indiana's defense really is. It has been really good this season. It was really good last season. That's what Mike Woodson has constantly said. He wanted to build the program off of a really good defensive team. And so I think we're going to see how good Indiana's defense really is. And like you said, I don't think it would be great for Indiana if, if it turns into a track meet. But at the same time, I feel more confident in Indiana's ability to stay afloat offensively this season than they did last season. We've talked a lot about the offensive improvement they've shown. And I think especially in the game against Nebraska, when you see Trey Galloway, Tamar Bates, Miller Cobb hitting threes, you know, one of the questions coming into the season was how are Indiana's guards and wings going to be able to be production wise scoring and uh, facilitating and kind of doing a variety of things. And I think the Nebraska game was an encouraging sign, especially for that trio of what they're able to do. So, you know, I think if it does turn into one of these high scoring games, I don't think it'll favor Indiana, but I think that given the way they've been able to develop the offense this season, that they will have a much better chance of winning than if they were in a similar situation last season. I think defensively it is, is kind of the, the interesting place to start here for Indiana. And you kind of have this juxtaposition of, you know, for Indiana, the North Carolina game where, you know, I mean, if, if you look at the numbers in that game, Indiana was was very good. North Carolina only averaged 0.93 points per possession. They were 15 of 41 on twos. Um, Indiana, I mean, North Carolina's not a small team by any means, and Indiana out-rebounded them. Indiana won the turnover battle. Indiana only allowed North, uh, North Carolina five assists on 20 made baskets. Now, some of that is North Carolina style, too, but still, Indiana was, I mean, you could just you could feel North Carolina withering at times in the face of, of in the way Indiana was defending them, just how tough Indiana was defending them, how relentlessly Indiana was kind of coming at them. And then there's a Rutgers game where like the defensive numbers are not terrible. Um, again, 0.95 points per possession, 41%. This is these Rutgers numbers, 41% on twos, 28.6% on threes. Um, the rebounding numbers were a glaring issue. Uh, Rutgers out uh, rebounded Indiana 47 to 33. And I think, Really, what was maybe more glaring, if, if we're going to kind of use that term, um, is the extent to which that it felt like that reflected. I mean, if you know, Indiana's overall offensive numbers or excuse me, defensive numbers were largely good in that game. And hey, listen, that's against a team that then turned around and went to Value City Arena and looked a lot better offensively. They lost on, a, I think, a buzzer beater last night, basically, to Ohio State. Um, so it's not like Rutgers is, is useless offensively and Indiana statistically played well there, but you did not feel as that game went on, like Indiana could kind of flip that switch that you need, particularly away from home. And obviously that was a true road environment. This won't be, but particularly away from home, flip that switch you need sometimes of essentially sort of when the shots aren't going in, you just sort of say, well, all we're going to do is just defend for our lives. And because that travels, defense travels, defense is not predicated on much more than effort and communication and sort of collective work ethic. If we can't make the threes or if, you know, if we're not getting Trace Jackson Davis involved and we can talk a little bit about that in a minute, um, 
you know, we're just going to live with, we're going to live with just, just defending for our lives. It didn't feel like Indiana found that sort of that, that, I mean, I think that probably reflects the toughness quote unquote, Mike Woodson was talking about after the Rutgers game. Um, This is kind of a test, I think for Indiana of, okay, can you find that now? You know, if, if, if you get into a situation where either you can't quite get Arizona kind of under control and the game is moving too fast, or you get into a situation where you're not hitting some threes, because that's going to happen, particularly on the road, particularly away from home, at least. Um, can you just sort of decide, well, what we're going to do is just absolutely defend the life out of, out of, of, you know, the, the, this game, wherever we have to, because Arizona has not necessarily, I don't think seen a team as good defensively as Indiana, San Diego state is up there and they were very good against San Diego state. Utah is up there. They were not so good against Utah. Um, but when you talk about depth plus, you know, sort of what they put on paper, um, you know, the, the opponent two point percentage, opponent three point percentage, block percentage, all that kind of stuff. Um, the extent to which Indiana forces turnovers off opponents, something Arizona has some trouble with at times. Um, this could be a game where it's sort of, the, the, I suspect there's going to be a, at least one stretch in this game, one significant stretch where it's just going to come down to, does Indiana just sort of dig its heels in and just say, we are going to defend our way through trouble here. It did not feel like they had quite that edge in New Jersey. Can they find it in Las Vegas? picture you know for the lack of a better term given we're going to be in las vegas i feel like they're playing on house money right coming into the season you had the four big non-conference games xavier north carolina arizona and kansas and i i think for me at least when you look at those you say you want indiana if they go two and two in those four games then that would be considered a win well indiana goes two and oh in the first two um and and i think you know, I don't know if Mike Woodson would, would, would agree with me, but I, you know, I feel like they're playing on house money at this point in terms of the non-conference schedule. Now they can, the, the, I don't think next, that, I don't think they can look at it that way, but I think, no, I think your, no. I think your point is like, it, yeah. in the broader sense, we, as the, right. as the media, as the objective observer are allowed to say, Hey, you got the minimum you needed out of the non-conference. Um. I mean, I think Indiana set themselves up well, and, and and I feel like these two games, maybe if you can get one of them, that, or even if they lose both and they play well, you can validate the expectations from early in the season. I feel like the way Indiana played the first few games, there was a lot of promise, and there still is, but I think the Rutgers game kind of put that little drop of doubt in people's minds of, can this team be different than seasons past? And if they are going to be different than seasons past, they have to do things that are different than seasons past, which means going on the road and winning, which means not having a letdown after a good uh, win, which means um, being able to win ugly. So, um, you know, I think Indiana, like, they can validate basically the preseason expectations with these two games. I think Indiana could walk. uh, I think Indiana can walk away with two losses in these two games. And you still, if they play well, you can still feel um, pretty good about where they stand. Um, You know, I think just, you know, going back to the importance of Jalen Hood, Shafina, we've seen how 
not only that's affected what Indiana can do against, you know, what they did against Rutgers offensively, but also the the way that Jalen Hood Shafino and how quickly him and Xavier Johnson have built that chemistry. Um, you know, we've seen J- Xavier Johnson struggle uh, the, the, the last two games. So, um, I, you know, I think that, you know, he's going to have a big importance of, of whether he can be healthy or not and just kind of, um, you know, his length and, and the way that he can disrupt things uh, defensively and, and turning, you know, we talk about tempo, you know, I think if Indiana, <clears throat> excuse me, like you said, able to bear their heels in defensively, can they, can they turn in, turn those, those turnovers into easy points on the other end? Can, can they, if their offense isn't clicking like it did against Rutgers, what other ways can they try to get it going? So, um, yeah, I mean, I, excuse me, I think there's a lot of interesting storylines just coming into this game and, um, you know, it, it should be interesting just the atmosphere and, and how Indiana is really going to respond against the top opponent. I think if we're talking individual matchups, um, Arizona's got two really good bigs, uh, and I'm, I'm, I'm going to – Umar Valo is one, and I'm going to use the pronunciation guide on their website. Uh, Azulis Tabellis is the other. 6'11", 7-foot, and if you look at what makes Arizona so efficient, again, they, they run a lot. They are top of the charts in terms of tempo, in terms of, you know, the, the, the brevity of their possession length. It's interesting to me they're also 18th in opponent average possession length, which which does maybe suggest that they're not quite as good at the defensive end, and, and if the game does open up, you can get some free stuff on them just as much as they can get some free stuff on you, in particular because of those turnovers. Um, but between Ballo and, and Tubelis, um between the two of them, they are shooting 121 of 174 uh, on twos. Ballo is shooting almost 77% on twos. Tubelis is 63.5%. And they're, they're a decent three-point shooting team. You know, uh, Krista can hurt you. They've got Courtney Ramey who can hurt you. Cedric Henderson can make some threes. They're, you know, but they're not necessarily a team that's going to have like three or four guys that are just going to bomb from, from all angles. They are really going to start with those bigs. And, and to your point about Race Thompson, um, you know, Indiana is one of the best teams in the country defending the rim. There is not a better team on two-point field goal percentage in the country than Arizona. Arizona is hitting 64.5% of its, its twos. That is tops in the nation. Obviously trace Jackson Davis, even against like a seven footer, I think you feel generally pretty good against him, but you do look at, at a race Thompson and say, you're going to need, and, and listen, race Thompson is, I mean, his, his block rate is higher than it's been in, in a couple of years. His rebounding numbers could be better, but they're still solid. Um, but you're going to need him to play bigger and you're going to need a guy like Malik Renu, who we've seen give Indiana some quality minutes, but is also averaging 6.9 fouls committed per 40 minutes and has had foul trouble a number of times. You're going to need to play a cleaner game than I think at times Indiana's front court has been able to play this season, because this is a team in Arizona that will, I mean, will be relentless about coming to the rim and be relentless about, trying to basically beat you there through its size and its athleticism. And they've got the players to do it. Yeah. And, I, and one of the things that concerns me just because of uh, Arizona's size is the defensive rebounding. And we've seen Indiana get hurt um, in defensive rebounding this season against North Carolina. 
especially against Rutgers where they were just kind of getting out tough for rebounds. And I mean, I, that, that, that giving Arizona the second chance opportunities um, is concerning for me from Indiana's standpoint that where you need to put a body on someone, it's not going to be a matter of uh, can Indiana out jump, you know, guys, it's a matter, I think of getting a body on guys. And, and I've talked about it before, but I just think, this is where the importance of Jalen hood Shafino is even more important because he's a guard that can go get rebounds. You know, I think Miller cop needs to get rebounds. Tamar Bates needs to get rebounds. It can't just be race Thompson, trace Jackson Davis. It needs to be a collection of guys. That's good point. And, and, um, and, and to your point also about Malik renew. Yeah. I mean, I think that is going to be a huge storyline of if he can stay out of foul trouble, because having that third big man, coming off the bench I, I, and being able to provide those minutes is what Indiana has lacked the last two seasons. And it's what during stretches of this season, Malik Renew has really provided. And I think it was, it, it was one of the, it was a, a game or two, a, a few ago where, um, you know, Indiana had, a, I think, you know, three or four of their big men with two fouls in the first half, it might've been the North Carolina game. And you know, I, I don't think Indiana can afford that against Arizona because I just with with Arizona's size, I don't know Jordan Geronimo, his athleticism. I just don't know if if you stick him at the four, if he'll be able just to be a big enough body. His his athleticism is there um, to get the job done, but just be a big enough body. Indiana against Arizona is going to need the big bodies um, to, to to protect the rim. So. I think that staying out of foul trouble for Malik Renu, that's going to be huge. And we've kind of, you know, he has shown a lot of uh, flashes of promise. He, he He's shown signs of, of maturity beyond what he is as a freshman, but we've also kind of seen him go through these growing pains as, as you would expect a freshman to go through. Same thing with Jalen hood um, and, and now obviously him dealing with this, with a back injury. But um, I think just being able to stay out of foul trouble being able to rebound as a collective unit, make those gritty plays, the, the, the little plays. I think that that's really what we – Indiana has not been able to make those little plays the last few seasons for the majority, it feels like. Because I, I think back to – this was the Illinois game in Archie Miller's last season at IU, and this was at Illinois. But Indiana was leading – relatively late in the game and they just couldn't come up like with the little plays. And I feel like if Indiana wants to be a team that is going to compete and win a big 10 title, they got to do the little things. They got to get the, the loose balls. They got to make the Trey Galloway plays the, the plays that uh, Trey Galloway just seems to have a knack for, but they have to do that as a collective group. So um, whether, whether that's going to be a factor on Saturday or just in general, um, for the rest of the season, I think that's going to be important as well. Um, you bring up Jalen Richardsino. I, I don't expect we will get a, a ton of information out of Mike Woodson between now and tip time. The best I can offer, um, you know, having kind of sniffed around it as much as I can, and, and please understand this is not me reporting hard and factual if, if it was if it was something firm like that believe me I'd write about it I do think there's a chance he plays 
Um, you know, this is this has been an injury that actually Indiana has done a, a commendable job of kind of keeping under wraps. It's the classic sort of injury where nobody's got any information. So depending on who you ask, it's just a sore back or maybe it's a bulging disc or maybe he's out for the season. When you get that kind of talk in Bloomington, uh, that means nobody really knows. So I, I do think that there's a chance you see Jalen Huchifino in this game. I agree. I think he's really important because, again, Arizona just throws size at you all over the floor. And, you know, if you're going to have like a, for example, if, if you're you're going to want Miller Cop on the floor because he's he's making threes for you, but you you may not be able, you may not want to put him in a, you know, a certain defensive matchup. You may want that to be Jalen Huchifino. I think it's also worth pointing out that, you know, Indiana plays a game now. They play a game a week from now. Then they only play twice in two games. They should be able to win without like a Trace Jackson Davis, for example, Elon and Kennesaw State between December 18th and January 5th. So like there's a long stretch. If you know, if you look at a Trace Jackson Davis or Jalen Huchifino and say, hey, we know you're banged up. We just need you to kind of play through it for a couple more games. There is a big stretch here where you're going to be able to rest guys and you're going to be able, okay, over the course of a season, everybody's going to have some wear and tear, but you're going to be able to look at individual guys and say, we have a big chunk where we can just sit you down and you can have two weeks where there's, you do very little basketball activity. You spend a lot of time in the whirlpool, a lot of time in the training room, and we get you right for January, February, March. Um, I think the, the, the other piece of this is Arizona's turnovers. Um, you're right. You can't hand Arizona free second chances. They aren't a great offensive rebounding team. They're a fantastic defensive rebounding team. They're pretty middle of the road. If you look at their team offensive rebounding percentage, it's under 30%. They're 158th in the country per Ken Pomeroy. You look at even like, like Ballo, I mean, Ballo and Tabulis, uh, Tabellis, excuse me, have, um, good defensive rebounding percentages. Neither one of them is like elite rebounding the ball offensively. Ballo's at 11% in offensive rebounding percentage. Tabellis is at 8.4. So, I mean, listen, sometimes that can also be emphasis a little bit. Like at Indiana, I don't think – I think Indiana could be a better offensive rebounding team if it wanted to be. But I think Indiana's MO is basically we don't send a bunch of bodies to the glass because we're constantly sending bodies back so we don't get beat in transition. I think that the piece with Arizona is can you manufacture, if you're Indiana, uh, some turnovers? Arizona is they, – they average uh, – they, they turn the ball over on 19.4% of possessions. That's 200 in the country. It is very, like, hot and cold. Like, it is very sort of – you know, if you look at their last couple games – uh, you know, their turnover rate against California, who they played on Sunday, they haven't played in six days or they won't have played in six days by the time they, they play Indiana, uh, was only 7.5%. Uh, against Utah, it was only 15.6% in the game they lost. Um, on the other hand, against San Diego State, which might be, again, they scored 87 points. They won that by 17. San Diego State might still be the best defensive team they faced. They turned the ball over on more than 25% of possessions. If you can, if you can kind of get that, out of Arizona, and I don't know, maybe if you if you look at the trends for their first five games, they were at 22% or higher. They haven't gone higher than 17.4% in any of their last three, so maybe they figured some things out. But if you can push some of that out of Arizona, get some, some free looks at the other end, they really are not a great defensive team. And when you look at their defensive numbers, and again, you look at stuff like average opponent possession length, it does remind you a little bit of kind of some of those old Big East teams that you're probably not old enough to remember, but I certainly am that could score at will on you. But if you could get them in some transition situations, they weren't necessarily great. And, and they're, it's not like they don't defend. I want to be very, very clear. They can be a very good defensive team and they're going to have some matchup advantages on Indiana size wise, 
but I think they're a team that just backs their ability to outscore you. And so they don't, you know, if, again, if like you look at their numbers, they don't have anybody that in terms of their, their, their major contributors, anybody that gets in a lot of foul trouble. Um, I, I think that they're, I'm not saying they're weak defensively, but I think they do just kind of look at defense as, Hey, listen, we're still figuring some things out. It's for them, just like Indiana, it's still early December. We believe that we will just outscore you if, if we need to, if that's the way it's got to go. If you look, for example, at that San Diego state game, I think that's a good example. Um, you know, San Diego state turned them over 19 times in that game, but Arizona scored 87 points anyway. So I think there's, there's, there's a little bit of that at play as well. Um, I do suspect that Arizona will look at Indiana and think that Indiana is the best defensive team they've seen from a man-to-man perspective, from a rim protection perspective, even from a rebounding perspective, at least to some extent. Um, and so I think if, if we were having this conversation on the Arizona version of this podcast, they'd probably be saying, hey, Indiana, you know, Arizona had better leverage at size because Indiana can really get after you defensively. But I do think from Indiana's perspective, this goes back to what we talked about kind of early about maybe the, the, the juxtaposition of UNC and Rutgers of is Indiana prepared to just dig in and defend for its life in this game and let whatever happens at the offensive end sort of take care of itself. Yeah, I think offensively for Indiana, uh, one is which Xavier Johnson is going to show up and, and perhaps that might depend on whether Jalen Hutchifino is playing or not, but um, is he going to be the guy that, that played against Xavier? Is he going to be the one that we've seen uh, against Rutgers in Nebraska? And, um, you know, we, we've just seen the way that Indiana's offense changes when he's playing well. And he just has this ability to change speed so well. He, he changes pace. He's really shifty. He creates opportunities for others. Uh, he can create opportunities for himself. So if he is playing well, I feel good about Indiana's chances. I also think when you look at it from who on the wing can score, if, if you have Trey Galloway hitting threes, if you have Tamar Bates hitting threes, if you have Miller Cop hitting threes like they did against Nebraska, it just opens up this whole world of of offense that Indiana lacked last season. And, and, and I wrote about it after the Nebraska game where it just felt like those three guys against Nebraska, they, they showed the versatility from the wing that Indiana really lacked last season. When you had Miller cop who was stationary, when you had uh, Parker Stewart, who was mostly stationary and they relied on other guys to get them shots. You didn't have a whole bunch of wings that could create shots for themselves that could create shots for other people that could do a variety of things. And I think those three guys showing that against Nebraska was encouraging because that's something that Indiana hasn't had on a consistent basis since Armand Franklin left. And I feel like his absence was a big loss last season and, and being able to have a wing guy that can do a bunch of things. So obviously the Nebraska game doesn't mean that doesn't necessarily mean that Indiana, those wings are going to be able to do that every single game. But I think it was an encouraging sign to where if this can become a trend, um, it, it opens up the dimensions of what Indiana's offense can do. And, and not only that, but you look at it of Indiana's offense becoming, you know, I think the blueprint or at the, at the best, best case scenario, one of the best case scenarios is where you have teams double teaming Trace Jackson Davis. And if he's doubled, he can kick it out to someone on the wing to hit a three. 
if you're going to single coverage him, then good, you know, good luck with that. And you might have to take a chance on just uh, trying to stop him one-on-one. I think if Indiana's offense can get to that point and that's some reliant on what Trace Jackson Davis can do. And it's some reliant on what the wings can do. But I think you really saw that come to fruition against Nebraska. And when you're talking about the, the offensive improvement, if Indiana can do that on a consistent basis, they're going to be really hard to stop offensively. And then if you talk about that combining with what Indiana has been able to do defensively, then I think this becomes a team that you really have a serious conversation about uh, winning the conference. Obviously, I feel like there's still potentially a lot of room uh, to go till there, but also looking bigger picture to your point about the schedule. I think I like how Indiana schedule set up. I, I like that they play these two games, but they do have time in between them. And then they go, if they need to regroup, if they lose both of the games, if they have guys that are banged up, they have the two games that for the lack of a better term, are cupcake games that Indiana should win. Um, and then you have the break, uh, the kind of Christmas holiday break um, for, for more rest. So I, I like the way that you have a, a two tough game stretch right now. Um, but then you have some time where you have two games you should win pretty handily and then some time to rest. Um, finishing up, you know, <clears throat> you mentioned, you know, kind of where is Indiana's wing play in this game? Because, um, you know, Arizona's going to throw some bigger bodies at Indiana's wings. You know, we talk so often about basically how Indiana's wings defend, but this is a game where a Miller cop, a, a Trey Galloway, a Tamar Bates, if he plays even maybe a Jalen Hood Shafino, is going to have to deal with a little more size than normal themselves. I'm struck by kind of how that intertwines into um, kind of this larger question. Like I was talking to a good friend of the podcast, Mike Glasgott, about this yesterday. I can't remember the time Indiana played in a game like this specifically, a, you know, a neutral site game, true neutral, or even, even part neutral, like the, the one that jumped off the page most to me was IU Gonzaga and Tom Crean's first year at Lucas Oil Stadium. Lucas Oil had just opened and it was this big sort of it was it was like I think it was Ohio State, Notre Dame and IU Gonzaga. And obviously that was an in indie, so it wasn't quite full neutral, but it was this idea that Indiana said, we're going to go seek out an, an elite marquee opponent for a one off neutral site game you know, a la getting into the Champions Classic, a la the way Kentucky and Gonzaga have set some things up recently. I think Arizona played in, in one or two of these games a year ago in terms of just kind of, like I said, just, just finding a, um, you know, a, a quality non-conference opponent, a, a big name non-conference opponent. Think about Gonzaga, Baylor, and Indy during the COVID year, or even obviously it's a bit of an extreme example, but Kentucky, Michigan, and London. You know, those are the kinds of games most programs can't get. Like the, the, this stage, it's not an ACC Big Ten challenge. It's not a Gavit Games. It's not. It's not like a, a running series like Kentucky, where you know it, it, you you you're signed up to play each other for several years, home and away, and it just so happens that one year you're both ranked in the top fifteen or something. You know, Indiana went out and got Arizona for this game, knowing it would likely be ranked, knowing Arizona would be ranked, putting it in Vegas. You know, all that kind of stuff. This sort of stage, essentially. And 
it is, I mean, I, I agree with, with your point about sort of Indiana's probably already fulfilled the minimum it needed to do from this non-conference schedule. If they went, you know, if you, if, if you would have offered somebody nine and two and a two, two, uh, a two and two split of the four big non-conference games preseason, I think they would have taken it. I think they should have taken, it. but there is sort of a, like, if you, if you are that different, I think to, to, to your point about, um, you know, sort of how am I trying to put this to your point about like, can Indiana round itself into a, a big 10 tie, a true, you know, conference title contender. How do you handle a moment like this? And that can, that can, that can manifest itself in a lot of ways. It can manifest itself in, can Trey Galloway be, I'm not saying 20 points, but something similar to what he was against Nebraska. Something similar, it should be said, to, to be very fair to him, to what he was against North Carolina when he didn't make any threes, but he hit five of six twos. He had 11 points, three rebounds, two assists off the bench. Can Miller Cop hit some threes? Can Tamar Bates continue to expand his impact off the bench? Can you manage the size? Styles make fights, not, not trying to, to make a boxing analogy because they're playing at the MGM, but Styles make fights. You've got a team in, in Arizona um, which plays incredibly fast. Indiana, on the other hand, is... 319th in the country in opponent average possession length. You know, Indiana has Indiana makes opponents work long into the shot clock, longer than almost anybody else in, into the shot clock to, to, to get what they consider quality looks, or maybe at some point they just give up, I guess. My point is, can you impose your style on Arizona for any, any length of this game? Because I don't think Indiana would be afraid to play a little faster. I don't think Indiana would be bothered by getting out in transition. But it can't be 40 minutes of up and down the floor. Indiana's not equipped for that in the way Arizona is. Can you impose a little bit of, again, your defensive sort of toughness, fierceness on Arizona? And can you make this – we talk about this so much from the perspective of how can Indiana mitigate what Arizona does. Can you make Arizona start worrying about mitigating what you do? And if you do want to get into the boxing analogy, can you make them fight your fight rather than trying to fight theirs? I just think that like that is this is a, a bigger picture thing that encompasses a lot of what we've been talking about. But it's been a long time since Indiana played in a game like this that was basically just set up because it was two marquee teams that wanted a, a prime time date in a, a, a prime time location. And so they just went and got it. This is the sort of game that feels like, a you know, if it's competitive in the last four minutes, somebody's going to say somewhere on the broadcast, this is an elite eight preview, like that, that sort of thing. How does Indiana handle that? And is Indiana ready to be the sort of team? Cause they certainly weren't at Rutgers and you're allowed a bad day every once in a while, but they certainly were not at Rutgers ready to be the sort of team that imposes themselves on an opponent away from home. Can you do that here against a team that, that is really elite at some things, but probably has some flaws you can exploit. Yeah, no, I, I think that was put very well. I think basically that comes down to the question of is Indiana at the point right now where it's – can it put its money where its mouth is basically? Can it be – the expectations were to win a Big Ten title. Is Indiana there right now? But if they're not there right now, I don't think that that means that they can't be. I just think that they may have a little bit longer to, to go. And, you know, I feel like – that Rutgers game was, you know, and I think you made this point too, but it felt like Indiana was kind of juggling its past self 
versus what it wants to be. And I think basically the point is, can Indiana break out of the cycle that it's been the last few seasons of Indiana can win big games. I don't think that's a question. Indiana has won big games the, the, the last few seasons. Can they do it on a consistent basis? Can, can they string together wins um, in the big 10? And I think that just comes down to the idea of is this, can this team, if this team is going to be different, they have to do things that are different than years past. And um, winning a game like against Arizona on, on a big stage would certainly, certainly make a statement. I think validate um, Indiana's aspirations to win the big 10. Indiana, Arizona. Uh, I think, I think we need to like really underscore this because I got lost in the last podcast. There's some conflicting information. It is at 7 30 PM Eastern 4 30 PM desert time. Uh, I know Ken Palm has it at 10 30 PM Eastern on Fox. Um, it is at it is a a seven thirty Eastern game. If you're talking about like if you're if you're in Bloomington, if you're in Indianapolis, this game starts at seven thirty. It starts at four thirty if you're out in Vegas. Um, it's going to be one of the biggest games uh, of Indiana's season, without a doubt. Um, it's going to be a a fascinating test in a sense, in the sense that there's no sort of mitigation for home versus road. Oh, you had the crowd behind you. You didn't have the crowd behind you, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's just going to be very, I'm, I'm, I'm fascinated to see how Indiana handles this. We will be there uh, obviously to, to uh, chronicle the whole thing. Tyler's on his way out. I will meet him there very soon. Um, between now and then for the Indianapolis star, the Bloomington Herald times for Tyler Tackman, I'm Zach Osterman, and we will talk to you soon.